Welcome to Forging Plowshares. We hope you enjoy this conversation and are challenged by it. Please stay tuned at the end of the podcast for a short message about our ministry. Next week we'll take up reading Corinthians, but uh, I've entitled this first talk The Logos of the Cross. And the point I want to make is that as we start it is that I think that what we're doing when we read Scripture is something on the order of a performative utterance. And those of you who took my class will remember examples of what that might be. When you are married and you say, I do, that is, in other words, you're doing things with words. And so when we read Scripture or we... Uh, and I think Paul's purpose in writing uh, is to do things with words. That is, is over and against the idea of giving us some information, of uh, simply, uh, you know, uh, using language perhaps in the way that we would normally use language. And I think the key way in which he does this is in the phrase from 118. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So the word of the cross, and of course the logos of the cross, is going to be compared to two different kinds of words throughout Scripture, or throughout Corinthians. The logos, the word of wisdom from the Greeks, the logos of the law of the Jews. And what Paul is trying to do is change up our perceptions. as, And he's going to do that through the word of the cross. That's the means of the breaking in. Do you know the word apocalypse? That is, the new creation is breaking into the old creation. Um, and the, the picture is that these, this now and not yet of the apocalyptic kingdom is one that we're experiencing. We're kind of between two kingdoms. Uh, and so the perception of the word of, cro- of the cross, for some it will be as folly, and for others it will be the power of the cross, and how you view the cross determines it separates the perishing from the ones who are being saved according to Paul's criteria. So I think when we read a letter like Corinthians, much as with John or any other part of the New Testament, the most basic question is, well, what are we doing when we read such a book? And I believe we're not simply, you know, being informed, but we're being formed as a community of people. And so, as, as with the gospel that Paul preached, he's reshaping the imagination of the Corinthians, and our imagination, I hope, is going to be reshaped as we read. And, and I think, again, he's forming a community through, the, he's already preached the gospel, this formation has already begun, but he's completing this formation of an alternative community of new creation. And so we're going to perceive things, hopefully the Corinthians are going to perceive things differently by putting on the mind of Christ. So it's an activity that we're engaged in that is accomplished through the logos of the cross that 
Paul is presenting. And maybe a way of getting at this is, you know, that uh, think of the entire way, you know, just as we say I do in a wedding, so too the sacraments in, you know, we take communion, we do baptism, the, the, the participation in worship, all function, I think, like that I do. Um, they commit us to draw together into relationship. It's a, it is a covenant community being brought into relationship. And so the Greek logos or the Greek wisdom and Jewish logos or Jewish law cannot accomplish this, but it seems that those are the only alternatives we have outside of the logos of the cross. And so the Corinthians, we, what they're moving from is an understanding, a, a knowing. They're very interested in wisdom. Paul's going to use the word gnosis, and we should be familiar you know, with Gnosticism. It may be a problem in Corinth, just as it is in other places, at least a proto-Gnosticism. It is just there in the Hellenistic tradition that, you know, the way you come to wisdom, the world is shaped, you know, and it is the wisdom of the the world, of the cosmos. What is the cosmos made up? It's made up of these binaries. And so it is the system of, you know, discern, you know these paired opposites. And the wise person follows the cosmic order. He leads, a, you know, he chooses good over evil, life over death, law over sin. Um, and these then have very predictable rewards. We might say that this wrong understanding is that the reward is imminent in the system. In other words, I think the health and wealth gospel or the gospel gone bad, it is predictable. It is predictable how it goes bad. It'll always go bad in the sense that, oh, well, the reward is imminent to the, the wisdom of the world. And Paul is going to say this wise man's view of reality is foolishness. And, of course, the wise man of the world will perceive the cross as foolishness. Never the twain shall meet. These are two ways of knowing that stand over and against one another. And the goal is that um, as we enter into the logos of the cross, that our perception will shift so that we can recognize one world is a false reality with a false valuation system, and we can begin to ground ourselves in the reality of the character of God, or as Paul will put it, the mind of Christ. Um, our perception of reality is changed up as we perceive this new creation unfolding in our midst. Paul's going to do this, he, he uses already in chapter 1, he's going to use two genres of scripture from the Old Testament. He's going to use the, the apocalyptic language of the Old Testament, and he's going to use the prophetic language of the Old Testament. Um, and already then he's building on a Jewish understanding of what Scripture does. Uh, that for a Jew, all significant speech is scriptural or scripturally oriented. The Jews are called the people of the book. 
And this means two things. There is no authoritative teaching which is, which is not also the source of its own renewal. It is the essence, that is, of biblical text to be reinterpreted for the situation at hand. That's what Paul's doing, right? Corinthians are facing this particular situation. He quotes Jeremiah, he quotes Isaiah, and says, look, this applies directly here. And of course, that's what we're doing. We're taking scripture, and we're going, it is a renewable resource as we interpret it for the situation that we face. The second thing is that biblical exegesis arises from out of a particular crisis of some sort. And, and of course, that's the case with the Corinthians, that they are, they are faced with uh, division, uh, that they're kind of falling apart, and that's the occasion on which Paul writes. So, you know, may, we could build on that, but the idea that wisdom, law, Greek and Jewish logos do not open. In fact, they constitute the old creation. And I, here I wouldn't even, you know, Paul is going to, he does in Romans and Galatians, I think he's going to do a similar thing in Corinthians, you know, who are these Corinthians? And I really haven't given you an introduction to the book, but we'll do that as we go. I think Jews and Gentiles are both in the church, but their understanding is converging in a wrong understanding. In other words, uh, that, uh, that they're both holding to an understanding that he's going to displace with the logos of the cross. So all scripture is going to take on, you know, the Old Testament is going to take on its fullness of meaning. Uh, in in Christ, um, and so Greek wisdom, Jewish law, uh, sin and death are going to amount to the same thing. Neither succeeds in getting beyond sin and death, but it only perpetuates the problem. And uh, this may go under the rubric of a philosophical word, you know, or a religious word, but. Religion and philosophy deliver to the same place. It's ineffective. and It's foolishness. It's incapacitating, as Paul describes it in Romans. Uh, it is a word that, when we take it up, it makes us ineffective uh, as we entrust ourselves to it. Uh, and so it may be, in Galatians, Romans, it's primarily in terms of false religion, Corinthians doesn't have that feel. It's not a heavy book like Romans is because he's primarily dealing with the practices that this, these people have taken up. Uh, the, their mode of valuation, their mode of understanding, uh, which they've just comes out of the Corinthian society, their culture. They're, uh, you know, we, he, we get the idea in the section on communion that there's high class, there's low class, we, we know that from the greeting, you know, that there are very wealthy people. They've done archaeological digs in Corinth and the names that Paul uses. They've actually found pavements uh, that were built, you know, by uh, members of the church. I've lost the name momentarily. 
maybe we could just say this. Human religion, human valuation systems always divide. They always alienate. Uh, just as we've talked in Romans 7, the ego is divided against itself. Well, so too, the same system will produce a community divided against itself. And so that's what you can just go through. Corinthians chapter 1, they're divided over baptism. Who baptized you? Apollos, Cephas, you know, uh, or, you know, or, you know who's, who's your, your mentor? Uh, chapters 9 to 11, they're arguing about the Lord's Supper. Uh, chapters 12 to 14, it's a kind of competition for spiritual gifts and worship and you know it's it's more about a a a production than anything else and chapters five six seven they're divided about their sexual ethics they're committing all kind or a man is living with his father's wife and so they're, I, the way that I put it, they're plagued by worldly notions of success, worldly wisdom, the pursuit of you know, ostentatious spiritual gifts. And so the word of the cross um, is going to, I think, break this word, this understanding. It's going to deconstruct this understanding. It will breach the barriers of just, you know, we think of the ego in chapter 7 being undone by the word of Christ in chapter 8. Uh, it will liberate, I think in Corinth, the same division that is there inwardly in Romans is there outwardly in Corinth. Um, Paul says, we now, from now on we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. He, he, throughout he's saying you need to change up your value system now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that's the message of Corinthians uh, he says that we should live uh, as you know not according to the world situation chapter 7 uh, those who use the world should live as though they did not make full use of it, for the form of this world is passing away. Uh, the, this world and its value systems uh, are, are uh, you know, fading. And so the, he's wanting us to change up our perceptual landscape. Um, and the, the apocalyptic force of Paul's discourse, I think we miss it very often in the church. Uh, and so we miss the radical implications. That is, we tend to read this and just simply um, adjust it to our own valuation system. But I think our world is supposed to be changed up in the same way that the Corinthians' world is going to be changed up. Um, so, uh, the word of the cross, it's a performative speech utterance uh, that is literally going to, I think, uh, if it does its work, uh, it's going to speak a new situation into existence. Um, he quotes 
in chapter 1, which we'll read next week, from Jeremiah 9, 22 to 23. Uh, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows that I am the Lord, who practices love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for these things I delight. Um, What is he saying? Wisdom, might, riches, that's the valuation of the system. That refers to the distorted individual, but also distorted, distorted social identity. Um, distorted forms of valuation. Think here of, you know, the law might be personified in our, under, you know, kind of the superego sense of ourself, that condemning sense. It contains the realm of authority. It is the mode of valuation. It exercises ultimate power over the individual. That is this system of power, riches, might, I think we can equate with the law taking into, taken into ourself. That's the valuation. And, of course, we mean here the perversion of the law, distorted by sin, that it seems to contain all wisdom and to be the treasure house of wisdom, which is just to say that the valuation system, which causes us to admire the mighty, the rich, and those who are wise according to the world, that is leveraged against us. That's the valuation system. And Paul is going to say, this counts as nothing. Uh, I did a little bit of this on Sunday with the health and wealth gospel. You know, that uh, Creflo Dollar wants another Rolls Royce. That, um, that it, it is the system that Robert Schuller says that we, the, the gospel is about self-esteem. No, I think that that is precisely to misunderstand uh, the gospel. So there's the apocalyptic breaking in of another valuation system, and then there is the prophetic element uh, that I think is deconstructive. The, The Corinthians boast of their superior knowledge, of their access to some exclusive access to a spiritual source, And Paul is going to say this knowledge counts for nothing. Uh, And in their enthusiasm for knowing, they've devalued the knowledge system of the cross. He says, I've been informed concerning you, my brother, that there are quarrels among you. Now that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul and I of Paulus, the valuation system of the world, the knowledge system of the world always divides we understand who we are over and against the other. Uh, And Paul is undoing that in Corinthians in a very real-world sense in the same way that he undoes it in Galatians. There is neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. This identity through difference, it always alienates. And so um, the letter systematically, it deals with these areas of you know, the wealthy are saying we're the rich and the poor are the poor. Uh, they're dividing them themselves. He says, when you meet together, it is not to eat the, the Lord's Supper, for in your eating, each one takes his own supper. That is, the communion that is supposed to draw them together 
is a place when, where ostentatious display is at work. Worship, you know, has become a theatrical kind of presentation. Paul says, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, in this, in chapter 13, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Um, so, it, it's, it's, almost frightening the degree that we can look at the contemporary church through the critique that Paul is giving us of the church at Corinth. Caught up in issues of identity, issues of self-esteem, problems in worship, problems of spiritual gifts, uh, problems of knowing, knowledge, uh, I think that it's not strange, in a sense, because that we always fall into the error of the Corinthians, and that describes the contemporary church situation. Uh, we'll go into this in detail, but in short, Paul says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone ma- imagines that he knows something, he does not know as he ought to know, but if one loves God, one is known by him. The wisdom of the world is foolishness before God. Uh, And again, he's quoting from the prophets there. Um, So, that's my introduction to the Book of Corinthians. Forging Plowshares is a community dedicated to cultivating the peaceful kingdom by providing in-depth, transformative biblical and theological education and discipleship. If you have been moved by this podcast, please remember to share on social media. If you would like to know more about Forging Plowshares, would like to contact us with questions, want to ask about how you can get involved, or for more information about how you can support this ministry, please go to our website at forgingplowshares.org.